Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How are you? Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. So I've been away for, uh, I've been doing rebroadcasts for about a month now. I had this amazing residency in uh, Birdcliff, at Birdcliff, uh, you know, that's the residency in Woodstock. Uh, it was fabulous. I've already sold some of the work that I made there, which I'm so proud of. And I want to give a big shout out to my Birdcliff peeps. If anybody's listening, especially James and Erica, who fucking ran the whole show uh, with with everybody heavily participating. So it was a great month for me. And uh, I'm so excited to be back. I have an incredible show today. Uh, This show came together about a year ago when I ran into a friend of mine who is uh, a, a, some, a very special person to me, somebody that I probably would make plans with more if I didn't run into her at the, the most opportune times. Anyway, I ran into her about almost about a year ago and I knew from social media that her mother had just died. Her mother had died suddenly uh, at age 74. Um, My friend here, Savannah Spirit, who's an incredible artist, photographer, activist, there's so much that she does and creates, and you should really just check it out on my Facebook page because I don't want to take up all the time telling you all of her achievements, but they are vast. And um, anyway, we had such an intense conversation on the street about a year ago, and her mother died on Savannah's birthday, which is coming up July 25th, and that was just a year ago. Savannah's going to be 44 um, this coming July 25th, and her mother would have been 74. And I know from knowing Savannah, meeting her parents, that she had this really idealized L.A. 60s. uh, I can't, you know, like think of any movie from that period. And that's like exactly what Savannah's parents are movie are like. They're like that stereotype. And Savannah was enviably and crazy close to her parents. She really... They were like role models, and her mother in particular was her biggest cheerleader. And coming out of nowhere that her parents died was just devastating. I I can only imagine. But anyway, the journey that Savannah had been on and continued to go on was really, well, life-altering for her and just very, very powerful for me to hear. And last year, I think when we saw each other in the summer, we had talked about her possibly being on the show this year to discuss her journey uh, if she felt like it. And I had put no pressure on her. And lo and behold, when the time came, she had agreed or, you know, was willing to be on the show with us today. And I am just incredibly grateful to her for her gifts and generosity. So I want you to, and she has had some really intense experiences 
particularly last January. And we're going to get into that in a second. So don't fucking leave. We're, this is going to be incredible. And before we get there, I have to tell you about this. Okay, guys, you with me? So do you know that uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is now, we are offering you a chance to do podcast recordings at our studios, which is crazy that you could come here, pay very little, very little. We're a nonprofit. So this is just to keep our lights on, nothing else. And do you know that since you're listening to my show, if you use the code DLG, that's Dr. Lisa gives a shit, you can get a 20% discount. You're welcome. No problem. So just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash podcast studio and use the coupon code DLG and uh, get your discount. Maybe we'll see you around the studio. Who knows? I hope so. So I'm going to turn this over to Savannah. I'm going to have her explain to you a little bit about what her parents were like, what her relationship with her parents are like. And um, this is really, this is really brave. I think we're going to have some crying. Well, we'll see. <laughs> and we're okay with that. I know my listeners are, are, are cool with that. This is, uh, you're going to, you're going to get a lot out of this and, and I'm just really grateful to Savannah. So Savannah, thanks for being Hi, here. Thank you so much. She's also gorgeous, by the oh. way. So you should see the, make sure you look at the pictures. Okay. But, um, so go ahead. Why don't you, uh, start us off and, um, explain to us how, you know, what your relationship with your parents was like and why your mother was such a profound influence on you and all that stuff. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on, Lisa. I really appreciate it. And and I apologize in advance if I start hacking away because I'm getting over being sick. So if I start hacking and it sounds terrible, don't turn no, off. No, the, no, no, We're, don't no. Don't turn off the radio. It's um, all authentic. But uh, I guess where it all starts is that my parents met, uh, let's say, July 15th, which was my father's birthday. They got married six weeks later. Uh, this is all in Los Angeles and Hollywood, West Hollywood, the the Valley. And they met, got married, and they were married ever since. So right the, then there, it's a very special, rare thing. And And then my brother comes along, and then I come along. And my mom, when I was about seven years old, I took a photograph of my brother and my dad and so it was my brother that basically said, oh, she's a photographer. So I became the visual artist in the family besides my mother. We're all family of artists. And and uh, so she just really was my very first champion, my first cheerleader. So and and also became probably my number one bestie. Mm. So uh, and we were very, very close. And you stayed with them a lot. You spent a lot of time there. I did. The last few years, I was traveling a lot, and I would go stay with my parents. In their most amazing, fabulous place in Mexico. Yeah, they retired to Mexico. Um, luck, luckily for them, they knew their dollar would go a little further there. And so I guess it was my veterinarian, just shortly after my mother died, 
who had said, maybe it was a good thing that you were traveling so much because otherwise you wouldn't have had the chance to spend with your parents and your mom the last few years. And it didn't even occur to me that it was just a beautiful, I don't know, not coincidence, but it was just a beautiful thing that we had time together the last few years before she Well, died. you know, the thing about you, Savannah, is that anybody that knew you at all knew that, like, your parents were, like, a major part of your life. And oh, yeah. I don't think, like, like I look at, you know, they look at you and they they think, well, your parents were involved. But, like, not like they were, like, you're, like, sort of like friends, but more than that, right? I mean, we, but they were your parents, but they were also your friends. They were friends. my parents and friends. They were my parents and friends. So, uh so we had a very special, I mean, my brother was around, but he wasn't necessarily around for the time that it was me and my father and my dad. I mean, my, my, sorry, my father and my mother and myself. So, uh, it really became a threesome of us together a lot. They would come visit, um, and friends met them. Yeah. Yeah. So I met, I met them. I yeah. met them a couple of times, but yeah. also you have the freedom in your life as a photographer and the way you have your life set up, you don't have a lot of attachments. So you were able to go down there. Yes. You were able to arrange to be able to be with them for like at least a month or a couple yeah. months at yeah, a time. Yeah, I'd go down. I think one time I was there for four months. They were probably like, get out of here already. You know? I mean, I was just It was envious. sort of like living with my parents. Envi- living with your parents <laughs> in like a beautiful resort where everything's gorgeous, including them. So you were very close with them. I was very close with them. And... uh I guess I'll just jump right into what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she went in for elective surgery and she went into, she had some st- stomach issues and she went in uh, June 13th of last year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a- and uh, everything was fine. And then about a week later, she had her small intestine, her small intestine died so she had to go back in and redo the surgery. And then she was in the hospital for weeks after that. So it was a minor or, you know, like a minor, fairly minor thing. Yeah. And it turned into like a way, way, way more complicated, way more complicated. She decided she was going to have to take medication her whole life. And she decided, I don't want to do that. And I want to have the surgery. So it was kind of, it was stubborn in a way on her part. She just wanted to do this surgery. Well, you know, I mean, it, I could see how it would make sense. Yeah. You know, no one can predict, but she was in and out of the hospital a couple right. of times and she developed sepsis, yes. right? She so developed she, sepsis. Which is a total like freak thing. Yeah. Like uh, it's, it's, um, it attacks, it attacked her stomach and, uh, and then, I I went to that I was there that whole week when they came back, which was July fifteenth when they were at home. When, when they she was came at back home from, from the hospital. hospital, and that was it, now looking back, it was the beginning of the end. She couldn't control her bowels. My father and I were helping, mm-hmm. and at one point, I gave my father a break, and I just said, "Well, why don't why don't we put some makeup on you? Why don't we take a shower, and I'll clean you up, and you can feel normal and human again." And she really liked that. But I had never seen her crying, depressed, saying to me, I don't want you to leave. I was supposed to go to Los Angeles for my birthday. And that was really hard for me. And then she could see by the end of that week, I couldn't do this anymore. And I did say, do you want me to stay? And they said, 
well, let's just give it the week and see. And I even made a joke when I helped her um, clean up. And I said, well, I guess this is payback for when I was a kid, you know, just to diffuse and lighten the situation out of a heavy situation. And she she laughed. She really liked that. And uh, and then I ended up and she was crying to me and saying, I don't want you to leave. And I had never seen that before. Wow. So that was like that was really painful. Wow. To, to hear that and see that in her, this very strong, beautiful woman. Um, well, well, well kept. Very. Perfect. Very elegant. And yeah. um, so out of character. Very out of character. So I did go to Los Angeles. Um, and then the day, two days before my birthday, my father called and said, uh, I just want to let you know things are taking a turn for the worse. But wow. that's it. He, how, did, how did you feel? Were you shocked when you heard yes, that? Yes, I was shocked and I was scared and I was uh, really sad because I didn't know what was going to happen. And right. I didn't and I was still kind of in the dark about what was going on with her. And I didn't know. And so the day before my birthday, so July 24th, he calls and he said, you and your brother, luckily, my brother's in Los Angeles. He said, you and your brother have to get on a plane tonight. Wow. Because we have a decision to make. Wow. And that's what flipped me out. What, what, what was that? That must, I can't imagine. It was this, okay, decision to make. Well, that's obviously not good. Did, did, did it feel like surreal? Oh, completely. Like you couldn't process that, right? Completely. Mm -hmm. I, I, we were sort of on autopilot. My brother's, um, Beyonce had bought us tickets. Um, she stepped up, oh, got good. us tickets. Um, we, my brother was really holding it together. I was holding it together because I was still in the dark about what was happening. And then uh, we get to Guadalajara the next morning, like 5 a.m. And my brother, my, my dad is in the hotel, which is across the street from the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he had the surgeon come in and tell us what was going on with my mom. Oh, my God. And so uh, are you going to start to cry? I doubt it because I'm really <laughs> hard boiled, but you never know. Um, I don't mean to make light of it, but uh, he came in and told us the situation. And what had happened, what ultimately... Uh, made her non-responsive was blood clots everywhere in her body and especially in her brain. And then, so that left her, I think right side paralyzed and she could barely open her eye. So, so did you not see her until you met with the surgeon and stuff? You hadn't seen her yet. So, so was that just like another, like being like gut sucker punch? Yes. And your dad was there. How was your dad handling it? He hadn't slept all night. He was, I think, just, you know, when you're on adrenaline and you're in shock that he was just going on that. Was it hard for him to, like, explain even to you what was going on? I think that's why he had the surgeon do it. It must have been impossible. Because I think he would have broken down, I'm guessing. How do you, how could you even, like, you can't be an expert on it in his position. Well, this was not planned. This was not in their plan Mm -hmm. as a couple. And... They always talk, I found out later, they always talked about, like, if that ever happens, just shoot me. Mm. So Mm. my dad already kind of, I think, knew what he would decide. Right. But he wanted it to be a family discussion. I mean, was she on life support then? 
She was. And that's the decision, right? She, yeah, she okay. was. And in Mexico, it's illegal for you to pull the breathing tube. So they can shut everything else down but the breathing tube. Oh. So at that point, it's the waiting game. Mm-hmm. So uh, we went there during visiting hours. And I, I did say to the surgeon and everyone in the room, I said, can we not make this decision today? Mm-hmm. Today is my birthday and I don't mm. want to have that hanging over my head. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they all agreed that that would be fine and we'll go visit her in the hospital and then we'll just keep going back and visiting her as long as it takes. Right. And so we ended up going to the hospital and we put on all the scrubs and everything and my last moments with her. And I hear this often, which is that the hearing is the last to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just knew that my mom was hearing us. Mm. And I remember so distinctly, my brother's on one side of the bed. My dad is over me, like kind of towering over me. And I'm stroking her hair Mm. and I'm saying, it's okay. You're allowed. You can go. We'll Mm. be fine. I'll take care of Luther, my Mm. brother, my dad. It's fine. And Mm. just giving her permission to go Mm. and be with her father and her sister Mm -hmm. and her mother. Mm -hmm. And that was... And then I sang to her our song. Oh, my God. Yeah. What, what Can I ask what song? It's called Sitting in the Park by Billy Stewart. Oh. And it's an old 60s, 70s song that when I would run errands with my mom when I was a kid, she would always have mixtapes and that was always on a mixtape. And so it reminded me of us. So I just instinctively just started singing that to her. You know, I have to say, like, there's something so poignant about this moment or hearing about this moment, like I'm Mm -hmm. hearing something so poignant is the word of like something so difficult, but so powerfully Mm -hmm. beautiful. It's such a moment. I won't ever forget it. Like Matt, like a certain kind of like magical beauty. Because in, in how she died literally maybe three hours later, three hours. Mm. I mean, we didn't know. We my, we went back to my parents' house. My dad took a shower, got more clothes. We were preparing to just spend more time with her. And literally, as we put the luggage in the car, he gets a phone call from the PR department mm-hmm. from the hospital right. saying that she passed. And he was so calm, like, okay, thank you so much. And he turned to me. He said, mother just passed away. I called my brother immediately and told him. And then I remember just running back to my parents' bedroom and just, I don't know, flopping on their bed, just crying. And then my dad shortly came in after. So that was, she, she heard us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also going to say that you took charge of that moment and let, and letting her go by saying what you said and singing mm-hmm. that song. And I think it really, like, I'm guessing that kind of, like, it seems like it sort of, like, kind of, you know, close that, mo- close that moment, put a, put a, like a, maybe just some s- finish on it that every, for everybody, Almost not just your mom. Almost feels like a movie moment or something. Yeah, it like feels it just, like, like it felt, but it, but it was so. It was, you made it official, the goodbye. Yeah. And I think that's really, really, you know, amazing that you did that and well and it's been like a whole year of 
that of trying to say mm. goodbye and and then deal with the aftermath because obviously my mom doesn't care she's not around anymore well so how do you pick up the pieces yeah i mean i mean and it's and then after that happened it, it i realized that my father and i were not as strong as father and daughter as we could have been or that i thought we were so was that the thing that you noticed the most that changed or like that was the most, I mean, so many things changed, but did that become more, more obvious than you? Like, that's what you started noticing right away yeah. was how different, what was different? What was different? What had you not noticed before? Uh, well, my dad was always so present with me and the moment. And after my mom died, and your touchstone is gone and everything that you believed is gone after that, like then he had no, he had, he had nothing to ground himself on. I felt like, and, um, well, neither did I, but really him, because it's different when, um, your spouse, I think dies and you're that, that's your soulmate. And, you know, so I, wait, let me, I'm sorry. I just want to ask you one thing. So, had he been sort of like a protector guide to you and now all of a sudden he yes. was like he didn't have that strength that he had always yeah. protected. So he, your mom was a little bit of the, the house that. Yeah, because she him. was always the buffer okay. between us. And so when my dad didn't, ha- he was okay. he he it, that stopped. He seemed really good. And that was scary because yeah. I had no one right. except the person I was dating at the time who has and still to this day is with me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in amazing ways and has mm-hmm. like grown and seen me at my worst and, you know, so, so I didn't have a rock really in mm-hmm. my father, like mm-hmm. I had before. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. really like, I felt like I was falling mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And then my brother and I, as brother and sister, he's been kind of absent from the household since I was 12 years old. So it for a long time it felt like I was an only child. Right. So uh and then and then the communication with my brother and I was like I was I was complaining to him about my dad and then he was trying to make it right with my dad and I and and then but the but one thing that we did do was we did get ourselves in therapy. Wow. The minute it happened. Wow. I know. I know. All all of you we did. did we well my brother and my dad went together. Wow. And then I went with my dad. My dad went by himself and I went by myself. Mm-hmm. And how did that come about? Did, did like, did who, who initiated that? Like, how did that come about? Did I your think dad, my father, did he say, I don't feel like he said, I think we need to go see her. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I agreed. Mm-hmm. And especially where there was this gap missing between my, my dad and I, which was my mother. So he couldn't communicate with you the way he had. I mean, he was missing something. Oh, too, yeah. As oh, yeah. far as the he was missing so much. But he so also much. was aware of that. You guys weren't communicating in the way that. Yeah. You, you and could. we were both. I know we were both numbing ourselves. Yeah. Too in, sure. in ways that we of needed course. to do that. Gotta, yeah. So he yeah. was doing that. I was doing that. And we just were bat. We were battling. Mm. And. um mm. And then my friend in January, I don't mean to jump ahead, but my no. really dear friend in January took me to an AA meeting in the Valley in LA. Mm-hmm. And 
that I, the whole hour or that was, it, I was crying the whole time. Mm. And it's just hearing the stories. And I was very, very inspired to deal with the anger part of the grief. So your friend thought that this would help you? Yeah, because, because... well, because my father um, was an alcoholic and, uh, and that was kind of a source of some problems that I felt. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and so I, you know, and I was doing what I needed to do to numb my own pain. Mm. And so I felt that in order to kind of get us back on, get me back on track, my friend said, I want, let's go to an AA meeting. And right. I had been at Al-Anon before, but I had never been to an AA meeting. Right. It was really. Sub- substance was muddying the water. Yes. Substance. Very yeah. much. Okay. Yeah. So. That was that was very wise. Very wise. And then literally right after that, I had called a, a, a family friend of my mom and dad's was calling a lot and wanted to kind of make things right. Um, she was a family friend who was an astrologer. And she wanted to make things right. What do you mean by like, that? Like, I'm so sorry to hear about your mother because I hadn't been in touch with her for a long time. It was kind of an estranged friendship relationship that I had had from years ago. It was a strange friendship, right? And so um, she had a little bit to do with my mom's death in the sense that my mom was very into astrology and wanted a date. Like, give me a good date for to go in for the surgery. And so this woman gave her a date to go oh. in. So I, when this woman called, I just, I don't know what came over me. It was right after the AA meeting and I just got so angry, like screaming angry. And she was really good about it. She would, she said, well, she except she said, I accept your hate. But I said to her, I don't hate you. I just need to say these things in mm. anger. Mm. Just let me say them. Mm. And she did. She held on for 15 minutes before she was like, okay, I can't, I can't hear you anymore. But after that, it was like a whole weight lifted off my wow. shoulders. Do you think that you were that angry at her or was just all the anger coming out or? I think it was all the anger coming out. Right. And she, she, she kind of helped. She helped you. She did. She didn't realize that she was helping me, but she did. And like, I swear after that, I didn't feel this weight on me anymore. This Mm -hmm. anger, this frustration, this, you know, a few, a few times I think I've gone off the handles a little bit, you know. But but uh, after that, I sort of leveled off. Well, she was somebody who was kind of safe because she was involved, but she wasn't like she was somebody who didn't have to take it like as highly personal as a relative, maybe. No, not so at all. It was kind of like a good it was smart. It was good instincts on everybody's. It part. was really I mean, I mean, <laughs> good job. thank you. I mean, and it's weird because I felt bad after and mm-hmm. I told people and they were like, you know what? Don't feel bad. You needed to get it out. And she was just there to do yeah. it. She yeah. was she was the punching bag. Was some that of that anger at your dad, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, He I mean, we are so much better now, mm-hmm. but we aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I was getting angry at her, I was getting angry at him. Where Was there a lot of stuff that your mom had masked about him, do you think? That- no, because she wasn't the kind of person that would keep things. So what, what, what changed or what did you know? Like, what, how, how did 
what happened there. Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, like at, at what, what like, like when he was, he was, I, I'm getting, was he disappointing in that he wasn't as solid? Yes. Yeah. He, he was disappointing. And, and to this day, we're working on that because mm-hmm. it recently, there's been a few instances where I've wanted to include him on things and, uh, and then he, he's been a little flaky but then he realizes that and he apologizes and wow, you know, and he, yeah. So I think that he does see, uh Oh, I'm not being, and I tell him, you're not, where's my dad. I don't feel like I have family mm-hmm. or my father or, you know, and, and, and a lot of this has really taught me that my friends are my family mm-hmm. and that they're my chosen family too. Well, you know, it's really amazing how you were able, and I know personally that you're great at making relationships and you're a great friend yourself. So you are really, and you're obviously a very generous person. But the thing is, is that it's so self-protecting or whatever. It's so strong that you had that friendship with that mm-hmm. guy Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you made that happen. So you instinctually knew how to take care of yourself, even though your family wasn't taking care of you in the way that you needed it Yeah, before this even happened. And which is interesting because I feel like my parents really did teach me how to vocalize what I need. And mm-hmm. just not just they taught me, but in general, you know, as you get older, I think you realize, okay, I need to, We've been talking a lot about the analogy of when you're in a in a uh, in the airplane and they say put your mask on first before right. everyone else's. That's become sort of a motto in my family now about taking care of yourself first before you can take care of the other person. And I'm so lucky to have had um, my friend be along with me in this journey because. Uh, I, Doing this alone, I felt so many times that I was alone. And mm. and then and then there's a reminder out there, you're not alone. And even though this one person is there, it's not a quali- quantity of people. It's that one person and that mm. that's actually taught me a lot about friendship and relationships. Yeah, and you know what's so um uh, uh wonderful um is that you actually i mean this guy maybe dated maybe you didn't date him for a while whatever yeah, he we, wasn't were da- like, we were dating at the time that my mom died but so still was, he wasn't like a life partner or no, out, no. or somebody you've been dating you weren't even on the same coast no right? no, no so the thing is is that um how a lot of times people can be married or can have like a million family members or a million family friends. Mm -hmm. But if the quality of the relationship isn't solid, it's not going to nurture you when you really need it. And that like, you know, a lot of people like me feel sorry for ourselves because we don't have like the family that we, the ideal family, Mm. but like all this stuff is really up to you, you individual, you. That's exactly right. I mean, that what this has, what this whole year has taught me is how and how horrible and terrible this loss has been, but yet so incredibly necessary for my own growth. Wow. And so because I've been finding out things about my mother that were own, that weren't always, you know, uh, like, what do you mean? 
Well, there were things about my mom that could be construed as hypocritical. Like that I've I've talked to my father about. I don't I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But but does your dad agree? Have you have you taught have you taught your dad stuff about your mom that he didn't realize also? I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And like like I think a few weeks ago we were even fighting and I said, you're my mom and my dad, (laughs) you know, and then he comes back and says, no, I'm your dad. I'm not your mother, you know, don't put that label on me. And and that's a lot of pressure. And then I have to kind of come back and go, okay, you know, he's right. I, I have to be my own mother now. Right. And that's right. that's actually what this whole process has taught me is there was a little part of my mother that was really keeping me and enabling me to stay a child and a kid wow. and always under her wing. And this whole time I've been literally is trying to escape from that and grow and finally be the woman that I should be and, and not, and kind of let go of my youth. That's been a lot of that too. Wow. Well that, that is such a like intense thing to, you know, come to understand and Mm -hmm. even like admit to oneself, Mm -hmm. right. That she was, that you feel like you were being, she wasn't perfect. She wasn't the perfect mom, though. Well, well too. perfection isn't, you know, perfection isn't, you know, there isn't, besides the, that aspect, I mean, mm-hmm. the point is, is that in some way she was making life easy for you. She right? was. And that's, that's another great point because my dad and I literally the other day we were talking and I said, or he said, That's been my job this year is doing the opposite of what your mom did, which is enable you. So I'm not, I've not been enabling you. Oh. And I'm like, oh, exactly. Oh, okay. I guess that makes a lot of sense now and why you've been a little bit distant or at arm's length because that's the way that he's had to teach me how to not be so dependent on him. And Mm. So I've been really struggling with that. And and I think I'm finally letting that part go and go, okay, fine. You know, now I have to put my big girl pants on and grow up, you know. (laughs) Do you think your mom um, also was part of that because she didn't want you to grow up? She wanted to stay like young. Mm -hmm. She wanted to have you in her. Yeah. And she looked very young for her age. Yes. So she looked like 10 years younger. And so I think that maybe it was a protective device for her too so she sure. could sort of stay young and my daughter is uh you know eternally 16 because that's how I would feel sometimes when I would go home <laughs> I think that's common for yeah. a lot of parents and moms and stuff like that yeah and kids and so, uh-huh. so has this whole experience made you like a lot more like a lot harder on yourself or like what kind of things like you're talking about you've had to grow up, but Mm -hmm. it's really, it's a difficult thing and a positive thing. Yeah. It's weird because it's like you have, it's like a yin and yang. You can't have one without the other. Like, I mean, (laughs) you know, it feels like you, you have to have a little dark with the light in order for you to appreciate the light more maybe. Mm -hmm. And so even though it's been such a struggle at the same time, I've never had so much freedom and, and, and enjoying my life 
as much. Wow. Like I drove across across country for the first time. Wow. Which is something I've always wanted to do. However, if my mom was alive, she'd say, I don't want you to do that alone. I'll come with you Ah, or do things like that. Wow. So I finally decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go do this on my own. And do you think you're motivated to do that because your mom had died or or as a healing, as a healing? Well, I think it's, I think it's both. I think it's, you know, healing, uh, it, it's really for me, Mm -hmm. you know, because you, I don't want to do it for my mom. No, no, you know, but, but but it was really, it 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 was was a catalyst. Yes. It was a catalyst. And, um, how was that? How did, how did that, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I, we talked about that. That was in April. Um, okay. Yeah. That was in April. And I, I, how was that? I mean, how did that affect you? Was uh, that, that's a big deal. It was amazing. How long were you gone? It was about five or six days. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the things, because I wanted to mention that my mom, she was a painter, and she would paint these clouds in the sky. She was a watercolorist, and she would paint these clouds in the sky that would look like birds. Mm-hmm. So when I see clouds like that in the sky, I kind of, well, not kind of, I say, hi, mom, or I see a bird, and I say, hi, mom. And so when I was driving across country, I can't even tell you how many times birds flew at eye level alongside of me as I'm driving. Wow. And it just felt like she was there with me the whole time. Wow. So you were able to find her. She's out in the world. You know, I, I've mm-hmm. always, I've, you know, I've gone, both my parents have gone. And I always say, mm. like, when people die, the relationship doesn't end, but it changes. Oh, and I agree. I want to do um, a station ID because okay. I want to remind people that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn with you. Uh, my yeah. guest is Savannah Spirit. We're having a really uh, amazing talk about life and death, the most important things about being human. And thanks for listening. Go to our radio show page, our radio Go to our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Donate some money. We're a nonprofit, and uh, it's a good thing to do. So, uh, wow, yeah, what a what a what a remarkable experience you're you're having. Yeah, because I see my mom. I feel like in everything, mm-hmm. it, it's just. And then my dad has the opposite experience. What do you mean? Because they were so connected, I think, as a couple. Mm -hmm. My dad says to me, I think your mom is sick of me, so I don't really get a lot of visitations from her. Oh, (laughs) that's funny. Yeah, like not sick of him, but like, like maybe their contract is up. I don't know. But I feel like he... I don't think he's envious of me and my visitations with her, but I think that I'm just more open to having her a conversation with her in that kind of spiritual yeah death way that you have with the people that leave. Well, you, you know, know, it's really interesting. It really struck me how when you talk about the scene at the hospital, when you say yeah. goodbye, that you were the person leading that goodbye and um, you were connecting with her and you were able to, you have that in you. It's more natural for you. Than I think it was, it was. Well, I don't. I wonder if it's a nurturing thing. Yeah, if it could maybe, be just a girl thing. Maybe, because <laughs> my brother was there and saying things to her, but I don't know what he was saying. Both my dad and I don't know what he was saying to her mm-hmm. because he was whispering to her, mm. which I never wanted to ask because that's between him and her. Of course, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I have my own experience of that, and I, 
And and my dad and I were both saying it's okay. We were giving her permission. Right. Well, your dad's also what seventy. He'll be seventy four. Also. So is he? Uh, gosh, like on the fifteenth. On the fifteenth. Yeah. On July fifteenth. Yep. July fifteenth. Yeah, wow. You're gonna have a busy. You better start getting some presents. <laughs> I know. I know. But maybe send Savannah presents early, and she can re-gift them to her send dad. Send flowers. <laughs> no. No. Um, but the thing is, is that um, do you think that maybe? Your mom allowed your dad to stay young, too. Maybe they met so young. Do you think that she kept him? Was she a very protective kind of, you know, nurturing? Yeah. Like, did she she keep him from having to grow up a little bit? Well, he admittedly says, your mother mother made me the man I am today. And what, what? Which is all the growth, all of the, all of the things that they had to go through as a couple he wouldn't have, I think, been able to do without her. Uh-huh. So he says, your mother helped me become the man I am today. And that's that's huge. I think that that's one of the most amazing things that one can do for someone is just be there. Yeah. You know what? It's so amazing um, the amount of growth that your mother enabled by her absence. I know. It's really, it's really incredible. Like, also that um, you were all sort of trained in some way or oriented in some way to be open to that growth. Well, and it's weird because it all happened on my birthday. And that has been the strangest thing of all is how do I deal with all of this it makes it even more poignant because it's on my birthday. So all yeah. of the growth that happens, it's like, it's almost as if I not owe my mother, but I feel like I sort of do a lot of this to keep her spirit alive in me. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was trying to kind of, when I was struggling with how do I deal with my birthday this coming, how do I go forward because I've always been such a birthday person. Yeah. We and love, so which is you great. too. You I know. Too. I love birthdays. Yeah, I'm so, a big, yeah, right. Yeah. So um, I one day, one night, literally Googled um, when your mother dies on your birthday. And, <laughs> and like this Reddit post <laughs> came crazy. up. So crazy. And this Reddit post came up as if, so someone had asked that question yeah. and someone wrote as if it was my mother. And I'm just going to read this one part. It said um, it was kind of a rotten trick on my part, but there was a reason why I left on your birthday. I held on until your birthday because this is the most important of times in our shared lives as mother and child and that we're linked together. And that also that was the day that I met my mother when you think about it. So chills. I know. And so that post completely changed the way that I looked at it. Now it's like, you know, the death anniversary or the anniversary. It's our anniversary. It's not necessarily my birthday anymore. It's our anniversary of the day that we met. Because I was going around going, well, my mom died the day she gave birth to me. That's such a heavy thought. Like, she died the day she gave birth to me. I mean, you only really hear about that childbirth. But... Wow. You know, 
And so I just grappling with that has been. And, and, and honestly, the minute that it happened, my dad was so conscious that he felt so bad. Um, he took us out to dinner the next night. Um, this was mm-hmm. last year. And then this year he said, listen, I'm going to pay for everything. You just go decide what you need to do and I'll just pay for it like that. And, and that just takes the pressure off. And, and that was really special and nice wow. of my dad to do. He wow. didn't have to do that. He sounds like a really special guy. He is. He's an amazing human being. And uh, he sounds like he's blossom blossoming. I think he's blossoming. I think that he's still, you know, I, I went with my friend to go see Rocket Man. And so I've, I'm revisiting a lot of Elton John songs. Mm-hmm. And so I was listening to, I was listening to Elton John the other day and listening to Rocket Man. And I was just immediately, I thought of my dad because it, it's the lyric is, I miss the earth, I miss my wife. Mm. And then on and on, obviously. Mm. And so I called my dad and I said, you have to listen to the song again because this is your song. And then he made a joke. No, that's a different song, your song. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Elton John's song. Yeah. Different so, Elton and John's so, song. And, and that's what I can count on on my dad is kind of injecting a little corniness, mm-hmm. a little humor. And, and, and that sometimes that's missing. And, and so when that comes back, I really appreciate it. I also think there's something really important about your dad that let's not anybody take this for granted, especially a man who's, you know, from that time period is that his level, his access to his own feelings and his willingness to communicate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is remarkable. Well, and that has a lot to do with my mom uh-huh. because they would do therapy together. Oh. They, um, they were constantly working on their marriage. Mm. They knew that it was work and then they knew that they loved each other so much that they didn't want, they didn't want to be apart. So, mm. so he, um, he, I think that he was like that anyway, and my mom just kind of brought that more in focus for him, right? Because my dad had a, a a very weird childhood himself, and so I think a saving grace was becoming part of my mom's family mm. and uh, and her nurturing. So mm-hmm. I think that I think that him being able to express himself and being able to be so present, you know. Sure, that's definitely my mom, but I think also it's just my dad and his willingness to want to be that way too. Mm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, can't give all the credit to my mom. No, <laughs> no, but they found each other, and yes. he was open to that. Yeah, they were twenty-one. Yeah, they were twenty-one. God, what a and love then, story! I like, know that's so unfair, though, don't you think? Because they didn't have to fucking date and do all this shit well, and trying to meet. I mean, I got married when I was fifty-four. They didn't have to go through any of that crap. No, they, they, my mom, fair. my did, dad did you said. Ever feel like that this isn't fair yes. it's too perfect yes and you know what i think that that's been tough because my brother and i have strived for that model oh, God. and it's just it's just impossible and so sometimes we've stayed in relationships a little too long because we keep thinking maybe it'll be better you know because we have our parents as models for the, well, I also, this relationship. It also sounds like your parents were really what what a a big lesson that they that they gave was that they really learned how to work on a relationship and mm-hmm. how to make it work and how to improve it and not, you know, 
And I think that's why you're capable of having really good relationships with other people and have so many friends is because you learn that from, from them. And I think that that's instead of like, I mean, it's not just like a magic magic that they met and everything's perfect. I think it's their ability to grow and develop and pass that lesson, those lessons. But then not all. Well, yes, but then sometimes they're very hard on people and have very high expectations too. Mm -hmm. So in this whole past year, I've had to completely change my expectations of people. Yeah. You know, we have uh, 10 minutes left. So I want to find out like where you are now and what, where, what, what, you know, how, how things are going and, and what, what your, what, what, how you see your journey continuing. Well, it's funny. I don't think about my mom as much. Mm -hmm. And I, when I'm traveling a lot, which I still do, um, but I want to kind of go kind of not travel as much, but um, I find that when I'm busy or when I'm busier, I'm not really thinking about the grief so much and I'm just moving on with my life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's really the only thing I can do is just keep going to therapy, keep, you know, keep up appearances um, with my friends and, you know, keep main, keep those friendships strong Mm -hmm. and keep working on those friendships because I, I definitely have a better appreciation of friendship now mm-hmm. and keeping those people important. You know, you say that I <clears throat> I'm friends with a lot of people. I feel like I know a lot of people, but I'm not friends with all of yeah. them. Like, you know, I know what I mean? Like mean. I, yeah. cause I don't feel like I have a lot of close friends and the ones that I do have just now become my family. You know who mm-hmm. you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you know, like this whole self care thing, part of that yeah. is I've learned, uh, I've thought about recently is maintaining close friendships. Yeah. Because we, we kind of think like, Oh, hanging out with your friends is fun. That's so indulgent. You should be doing this or making that happen. But and it is, it is a really important part it of one's life. But I also spend a lot of time alone. Mm-hmm. And I really do love my alone time too. Mm-hmm. And that, and I, I feel like, you know, if you can find that balance of hanging out with the people that you love and care about, you know, that's great. But, you know, spend time alone too, because yeah. the most important for friendship is the one you have with yourself. Of course. And you can't, obviously. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I totally and agree. It goes back to the mask. Um, analogy of, you know, Mm -hmm. put your mask on first before you can help Mm -hmm. other people. So how do you think, I mean, your work is really, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't talked about your work at all. And I really really want people to know about your work and to look at your work and to, to, um, I put the, I put the links on and, and, and uh, all that stuff on my Facebook page. But, but just, what if people aren't on Facebook like me? Because <laughs> you are not allowed on there. Well, you got kicked off too many times. I know. And then they wouldn't allow me to post. And so it was let, like, let me just this. say what yeah. it is. And then and then I'm sure. going to like and then I want to <clears throat> I want to tell everybody what it what a what a rebellious bitch you are. <laughs> Okay, so your your Instagram, Savannah does these amazingly beautiful nude self portraits. Okay, that's just the tip of the iceberg on how to how to describe it. And also, um, another thing about Savannah that you must know is that she, she is a, a real activist, and she does really, um, which I get from my mother, which she actually. gets from her mother, yeah. and she has taken a real stand about 
nudity in um in 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 our social media mm-hmm. um you know you've been chronicled and be a million places nbc all over the news for this mm-hmm. um but let me just say her instagram is savannah spirit that's her real name dot artist s-a-v-a-n-n-a-h spirit s-p-i-r-i-t dot artist that's her instagram so totally check that out and if you want to get a deeper dive into her and her work um you can go to her website savannah spirit dot photography but um so as far as um you know what you've learned this year how do you think it's affected your your art which is such an important part of who you are and your process and all that yeah i think in the beginning i was way more gung-ho about kind of throwing myself into shooting more and you know, one thing about photography is I feel like I always have it with me because I can shoot with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, you know, it's so easy to just grab that and shoot. But um, honestly, it's been hard to get inspired. Mm. It's been, um, I'm with, with the whole censorship issue that really kind of came on in June when I did the art action with Spencer Tunick and the National Coalition Against Censorship. And so from there, it just kind of took off. But me actually doing the work, it's really difficult to concentrate. And I sort of found myself forcing myself mm. to, to shoot. Mm. And that's not fun. Mm. Um, I And so I'm just allowing myself not to be an artist all the damn good. time. You good. know, just, that's really good. <laughs> really? good. Oh, that's actually good to hear. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I feel like that oh. sometimes anyway. I think we okay. all do. But I, yeah. but so that is really good information to know that. But mm-hmm. I also imagine that like you are changing your identity in some huh. ways for into hmm. a, a stronger, more, adult whatever that means yeah whatever adult is yeah and since your work is so uh you know self-portrait it's self-portraits it's about you yeah that you i'm really excited to see when you feel like you're ready to shoot again i think it's going to be fascinating i've been been thinking about doing something that would not be self-portraits but doing the same type of work but with a male model Uh because uh a friend of mine who's also a photographer said you want to make money shoot men because the gay men will come and buy up your work so i was like oh i didn't even think about that but um that's smart but but I don't know if I want to do it just for that. Like I have to feel, I have to be passionate about doing the next step. You know, I, I like using myself as a subject, but sometimes I get, you're also gorgeous. (laughs) You're very sweet. Thank you. I, I just, um, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I always want to keep working on portraits and headshots of, of friends and other artists. If you need any help casting male models, naked male men, let me know because I really (laughs) have good judgment on that. Oh, do you, Lisa? (laughs) Tell me more about that. (laughs) That's a whole other radio show, right? (laughs) No, I would just love to be involved. Oh, okay. Keep me in mind. Well, that's the crazy (laughs) thing is that um, where I shoot is so specific that because I'm a photographer, I'm always looking at the light and, and constantly mm-hmm. aware of it mm-hmm. that, that those, a lot of the striped images I'm only shooting between October and December because the light is available oh, at my parents guest house. Oh, That's where I shoot. Interesting. So 
I can only shoot some of those there. And then, so I have to really, I don't wow. use artificial light. So I have to sort of work with what uh, the universe is giving me, you know right, what I mean? And right. so, so I, um, but uh, that's coming up in October, but will I want to do it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure. We'll see. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, I definitely don't want to gloss over the fact that the work that you've done with the um, coalition. Oh, against censorship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, has had a real effect. I mean. A real effect. Spencer Tunick um, organized. You're involved in that organization. And now he is as well. Yeah. And he organized that shoot, if you guys don't know, at the Facebook headquarters. We did. Yeah. And no one knew. The participants didn't know until we got into position that that's, and it was right in Astor place on Sunday morning at five thirty in the morning. And it was really, when we found out it was really special, but in that what made it. Yeah, huge difference. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and I think you're going to be everywhere. seeing hopefully some changes with the social media nudity policies, of, of the art nude. Well, that's hopefully. what's so amazing. Well, it's really sexist, isn't it? It is of thing. course. But but what's really amazing that it's so rare that a protest like the one that you're mm-hmm. directly involved in uh, actually had an effect. Yeah. I mean, Facebook came out like in a day or like the next day and a few days yeah. later coming out talking about changing their pot. Have they? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, they haven't done it yet and it could be a little bit of a process but I'm hoping to be in on that too. Right. So, which would make my mom really proud, actually. She uh-huh. would be really happy about that. To bring it all back around to mom. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's so amazing that, like, um, you know, you've gone from doing these self-portraits, but this action, which I consider a creative action, mm-hmm has had an effect out in the world. So maybe there's some sort of, you know, those the two things are so disparate, like what's going on out in the world, especially with politics, mm-hmm. and then you alone with yourself naked taking the pictures. Mm-hmm. So those things maybe are merging through you a bit and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe... That's a good point. Maybe, I didn't even think maybe, about that. Maybe the soup is stirring right now. Mm. And I have a feeling, like I said, I'm very excited to see what you come up next. Thank you. And I'm really... Uh, um, uh, heartened that you're not going to push yourself. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Savannah, true. you know what? I just want to say, I can't believe you didn't cry the whole I time. I can't believe no, it or say, the, I got to take a five minute break. So, or, you know, um, thank you. You are. For, thank you for making this really easy. I really uh, appreciate it. Thank you for making oh, this. Are welcome. you kidding? <laughs> so anyway, I want you guys. So that was Savannah spirit. Thank you for listening to Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I'm here every Thursday, two to 3 p.m. You can go to Dr. Lisa Levy SP and find all sorts of shit. Go to my Facebook page. Stick around. We've got great programming this afternoon. Like Lost and Rewound is up next, and we've got Brooklyn Bandstand, and we. 